0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro on this Monday, and it's our final full week before the 2020 NFL Draft. And before we get into our podcast, let's talk about some of the logistics of the draft. It starts on Thursday, April 23rd, and we know that Howie Roseman will be at his house, Doug Peterson at his house, Jeffrey Laurie at his home, Andy Weidel at, well, you get the idea. Everybody will be working from a remote location. And to make sure that everything works, it takes a whole lot of preparation and coordination. And next Monday in our podcast, we're going to go deep into it and take a deep dive into the mechanics of putting this very unique draft together for the Philadelphia Eagles. But as it stands now, the Eagles aren't sure if their technical support will be allowed in the homes of Howie or Jeffrey or Doug, etc. I spoke last week with Patrick Dolan, the vice president of football technology for the Eagles. He's in charge of all the video that the coaching staff uses, the personnel staff uses, whether it's pro days or cut-ups of practices or upcoming opponents. And even at that time, and as of now, Patrick doesn't know where the NFL
2: will let him be. This year, I, I genuinely I don't know at this point if I'm going to be in my house or, or if I'm going to be in another location providing technical support. The NFL has said that, you know, the, that... You can have technical support people in, in the facility, and at the general manager's house. Um, he can have one per, you know, one person there for technical support. We're not honestly sure how that's going to play out at this point. Um, my gut feeling is I will be at my house providing remote support across, you know, all of the spectrum. Um, but we have a pretty good plan in place on where we think people are going to be, and uh, you know, regardless, we're going to be we're going to be working in a, in a in a draft that it's not like any of the other ones that I've seen in my 32 years in this league. All right, so we'll take our really extensive look
1: into the setup for the 2020 draft in next Monday's Eagles Insider podcast today. We've got a great one for you. In a while, we'll talk about the Eagles' defensive line. We've gone position by position through the defense, and we're finally getting to the D-line. Chris McPherson, Fran Duffy joining me on that. But first, let's talk to Lane Johnson. Eagles right tackle, outstanding player, pro bowler, all pro. Played only 12 games last year, missed the postseason, and the Eagles certainly missed him on the offensive line. He was a first-round draft pick, fourth overall. Back in 2013, he's one of the ones that Chip Kelly got right. Lane Johnson, a former quarterback, now a mainstay on the Eagles offensive line. Catching up with Lane in this time of COVID-19, when everybody is in their own world of isolation, Lane Johnson is no different. Lane, how are you? You look good, you're healthy, safe, and
3: doing okay? Safe and sound. Uh, the schedule is just uh, go train
1: every day and stay inside. <laughs> yeah. How do you get your training? Because I, I know you've got so much energy. You're one of those guys who's always doing something. What is your workout these days?
3: Actually, my buddy works up here at a local gym. So going up there, just working a lot on uh, flexibility, a lot with the ankles, lower body, getting that back in line, uh, doing some balance work. And then... Uh, Really just kind of getting back in the groove of things. Just trying to stay in shape best I can.
1: Lane, uh, how difficult was 2019 for you? I know you'd love to be on the football field with your brothers, for the Eagles, for the community, for all Eagles fans everywhere. 12 games played, missed the playoffs. That must have been so tough for you.
3: Yeah, especially because I, I was – you know, I think I had my best year that I've ever had as a pro and had that cut short and not be able to be a part of the playoffs. I've always been the guy's – it's uh you know, I feel like I've been there and, you know, it was a tough pill to swallow, but I was just really impressed with how the young guys stepped up and how against all odds, how it wasn't looking very good and how we ended up, you know, doing obviously there isn't any moral victories and what we accomplished, but at the same time, with our backs against the wall, I think we show what we can do.
1: Lane, uh, do you follow free agency in the off season? Are you one of those guys who stays up on the news? And if you do, I wonder what you thought of uh, what the Eagles
3: have done so far. Yeah, I was happy. Did D tackle Hargrave? Is that correct? From the Steelers? Yep. Big play from the Lions. Yeah, Will Parks from correct. the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, that's I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I saw Slay at the, the Pro defense. Bowl. He obviously – yeah, he has a lot of energy, and I think, you know, as a secondary player, you have to have that confidence, especially, you know, you're going against uh, the number one receiver week in, week out. There's not very many guys that can do that in football. So having that type of player with us is definitely going to be a big boost of energy for the whole team. So I'm excited with that and, um, you know, boost our defense with Hargrave, big body. And then adding uh, Will to the secondary and moving some guys around. So, you know, coming into this year, I feel like we all have a lot to prove. But I feel like there's a new energy. There's a new momentum. And I think the whole team can feel it. I know I can feel it even though we're not around each other, but you can you can still feel it.
1: How much contact do you have with the rest of the guys? Has there been a lot of, you know, texting and phone calls and FaceTime back and forth with your teammates?
3: Yep, a lot. Uh, sometimes we'll do group FaceTimes with with Kels, Isaac, and, uh, and Brandon. You know, I think we're happy with, with Big V signing with the Lions. Uh, we're going to miss him. Really just keeping up. Everybody's doing the same thing, trying to stay in shape, staying inside staying at home, so still keeping the communication going. Talk to uh, Coach Stout a couple minutes, see how he's doing. I think he's having a weird time adjusting to doing all these pre-draft interviews on the computer instead of doing it live, which I know that's what he wants. But, uh, you know, we're all just kind of going with the flow and taking it from there.
1: Lane, will you watch the draft in a couple of weeks?
3: You know, I don't know. I never really watch it, but I'll, I'll definitely keep updates, especially with who we get. I mean, I used to be real big with that, but now as time moved on, I just kind of checked the phone and see what's going on.
1: Let's go back to 2013. I was watching video this morning of when you got selected fourth overall, the hugs, yeah. the kisses, the pure joy you had. You went up onto the stage in New York City and you met Commissioner Goodell and you gave him a big hug and smiled. At every, Can you go back to that, that night and what it meant to you and – And how much, kind of, as you look back, what that whole scene was like for you?
3: Yeah, it was just, um, you know, everything is coming to a conclusion. You know, the whole pre-draft process is very long lingering. You have the combine, the senior bowl, all these interviews and workouts. And it just feels, you know, you're finally with draft day and, and you realize that, okay, I'm about to be headed somewhere. So coming in, I really thought I was going to go to Miami. So as they had the third pick, uh, I don't know, the, the cameras were on me and Dion Jordan, so we knew one of us was going to get picked, and my agent, Ken Sarnoff, was like, well, it's like we're going to Miami. We dabbed up, and then they selected Dion. It was like, I knew Philly was coming up, and, and I knew that I had a good feel with Stout and in, uh, in the organization, so next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call. I said this before, I couldn't hear anything. It, it was so loud, screaming. I just knew that Philly was selecting me, and there it was. Uh, next thing you know, uh, on the stage, shaking Goodell's hand, and then uh, you know, getting in the car to uh, to head to Philly to the next day. It was a whirlwind, man. It happens all so fast, but it, it obviously feels good to to get it all wrapped up because it's a lot of a lot of months leading up to that, just pure work.
1: It was kind of funny watching the NFL Network version of it. They immediately showed you as a quarterback, of course, running the bootleg and scoring the touchdown. And Michael Irvin actually said that hey, the Eagles can use Lane Johnson in goal line situations as a an eligible receiver. That hasn't yeah. happened yet. And, Lane, why has that not happened? And how have you lobbied for that at all?
3: I don't know. I mean, every time uh, we would do fast Fridays, I would try to show every one hand and grab I could do anything to get the coach's attention. But I just don't think it's been quite enough to this date. <laughs> I think first couple of years, though, we did have some plays. The goal line were actually lined up at receiver, but we never did run it. But uh, we had it in, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I can get a touchdown before my career is wrapped up.
1: Who was the starting offensive line in your 2013 rookie season? It
3: was – I was at right tackle. Todd was at right guard. Kels was at center.
1: Evan Mathis was at left guard. And JP was at left tackle. Evan Mathis is the missing name. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about some free agency moves. I'd like you to play a little where are they now. NFL free agency version of that so I will name the player you name the team he is now on we'll start with the top Tom Brady Tampa Bay okay Nick Foles Chicago how about one of the uh, very difficult defensive ends you can give me a scouting report also Calais Campbell where did he end up
3: he ended up in Baltimore good job Calais scouting report he's about 6'8 probably 3'10' He does a great job of using his length to his advantage. Long arms, so a lot of times if a shorter arm defender is engaged, he'll get that extension out, see where the ball carry is, and he does a good job of disengaging. Sometimes he'll put that hand on your shoulder pads, grab you, make you lean forward, and he's really good at using his arms, just kind of plowing through people. A lot of that, he's a, he's a very smart player, uh, talking to him uh, when I was at the Pro Bowl, so he's he sees a lot uh, on the field, and he does a good job of Getting all the other guys to kind of, I guess, see, I guess, his game from his point of view. He's a very cerebral player.
1: See, Eagles fans need to know. Just you are such a student of the game. I love hearing when you do this. All right, how about Vic Beasley? Where he end up?
3: He was with the Falcons. I do not, do not recall. I
1: apologize. Tennessee, no Tennessee Titans. What kind of player is he?
3: He's a very quick switch guy. He's probably around two forty-five. I think his best year is whenever he had 16 sacks led the league, I believe. I think they wanted him to be a Von Miller-type player. He has that kind of quick twitch, but I don't know if he has the same type of power as him. But obviously very explosive. He's one of those guys. You can see what he can do when he's at the top of his game.
1: How about Robert Quinn, who leads the Dallas Cowboys for what team?
3: Do not know. I thought he was going to stay with Dallas, so I haven't seen any updates with that either. So, Chicago Bears, what kind of player is he? Explosive first step. I think he mimics Cameron, Cameron Wake with that first step off the line of scrimmage. And obviously he has a tremendous bend. So you can see after a few of his sack celebrations, he'll kind of do that little Gumby worm dance, and you can see his flexibility that he has. So has tremendous bend on the edge, and uh, you know he's been doing it for some time. So. And he was with uh, Chris Long in St. Louis before all that ever transpired in Dallas.
1: How about Teddy Bridgewater?
3: Oh, I should know this. Has he signed with anybody? Yeah, yeah.
1: Is it the Panthers? Correct. No? Well done. The New Year Panthers? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. How about Gerald McCoy?
3: Dallas Cowboys.
1: What kind of player is he?
3: Very good. He, uh, he's probably 6'3", 305. I think he's a, kind of a tweener. He's not as explosive as Aaron Donald, but I think he's more explosive than Sue. Good job in the run game, and obviously, uh, I think his best attribute is his explosiveness and his pass rush ability. He's had a hell of a career so far, so it's going to be a tough matchup. I'm not sure if they signed Poe, but I know they signed Alden Smith, who when I talked to guys across the league, they said he's probably the most difficult guy to block that they've ever blocked. He's obviously had to face some demons, but as far as talent-wise, he's one of the best.
1: Okay, three more guys. Philip Rivers, where did he end up?
3: Indianapolis. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Well,
1: okay. Uh, then two receivers. Stefan Diggs was traded to what team?
3: With Minnesota. Now, <laughs> I don't even know. Can't tell Buffalo.
1: You. Buffalo. All right. Yep. Yeah. And then finally, DeAndre Hopkins goes from Houston to what team? Cardinals. Very well done. <laughs> Jason Peters is one of the members of the NFL All-Decade team. Uh And I wonder if you could just talk about the offensive tackle First, the fact that I I don't know how you feel about not being included on that. Because on that list, it's Jason, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley, and Joe Thomas. Are they all left tackles?
3: One guy that I was surprised that, that was left off the list was Trent Williams. I may have had him over Joe Staley, but that's just being biased. Uh, he went to the same school as I did, but just watching his style of play, it's kind of, I don't know, that's a tough one to choose from. Obviously, the 49ers have had more, had more success, and I think that's why Joe may have beat Trent out. But all four of those guys, I mean, they're all all Hall of Famers, so, I mean, it's really no arguing with that, to be honest with
1: you. We've talked about the right tackle, left tackle thing. Do you think there's any sort of right tackle you know, bias going on here that – people still are not recognizing that right tackles are the same as left tackles.
3: I don't know if it'll ever change. I, I really don't. But I think when I look at the list of the DNs that I've gone against, I think you can go watch the film and put a lot of good stuff on tape. I mean, obviously as a competitor, you want to be included in everything, but I mean, looking at it, I mean, it's a, it's a helpful list top to bottom, both offense and defensively. But the right tackle market has definitely changed since, since I've been in the league. It's started to get, more notoriety, I think, past few years. So it's it's steady climbing.
1: Lane, the defensive ends on the all decade team, Calais Campbell, Cameron Jordan, uh, Julius Peppers, JJ Watt, and then pass rushers, Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones. Is there one guy that of that group is maybe the best that you've faced?
3: Vaughn, definitely with with speed. I mean, Vaughn, I have just I've never really seen a guy that I mean, I remember watching the film before the game, and I just – I've never seen somebody be that elusive, especially because he's getting chipped every play, and he does a good job of avoiding chip blocks and making it really look effortless. And, I mean, kind of the same way with Khalil. I mean, once you get that kind of notoriety, you're going to get double-teamed, you know, as much as possible. You're part of the game plan. So, in mean, watching those two do it, as far as rushing the passer, both guys are unbelievable. I think Chandler Jones is definitely underrated – very underrated. He's a guy that's you know leading the league in sacks, I feel like, almost every year. A guy who's really crafty with his length and his and his arms and some of the variety of moves that he can do. But probably the best the best overall player is, is Aaron Donald. There's never been somebody inside with that kind of explosion. The way I'd put it, he'd be kind of the Dwight Freeney of the interior D lineman. A lot of times when you watch film, he's already a step and a half on guys before they can really get out of their stance. So you know, as far as interior league, those guys have never seen anything like that.
1: I was actually surprised Ryan Kerrigan wasn't on the list. Is is Ryan the best that you've faced at least certainly two times a year over the last seven, eight years? Do you think he deserves some consideration on that list?
3: He's a great player, but I think – I mean, overall, I think his sack numbers are up there. I think it's close to 90. But when you look at those guys, they may be a notch above. But far as a competitor that I respect – definitely Kerrigan and and Demarcus Lawrence, those two guys that I, you know, battle with every year. So when I'm talking about back in my day, he'll definitely be in my conversations.
1: All right, Lane, two more trivia kind of questions here. I always remember going up to Lehigh for training camp, and then once training camp was over, I completely, like, forgot everything that happened. It was like it never existed. So I wonder, pre-coronavirus, two questions, sports questions. Name the number one ranked college basketball team before – it all in. Did you remember that team? I don't know if you're a college basketball fan. I wasn't even watching it, so I, I had no clue. Okay. Kansas. Okay. Jax. And then what NBA team had the best record before the season was suspended?
3: Was it the Lakers or the Clippers?
1: One of those two? Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee? There all you right. go. Yeah. Brandon will be mad. Hey, what have you been what have you been watching on TV? Uh, are you a big TV guy? Oh yeah.
3: Especially during these times, Dave. Oh yeah. Tiger King? On Netflix? Oh, yeah. I
1: haven't seen it. Okay. Describe that show because everybody it. talks about it, but
3: no, I haven't seen it. I don't even know how to describe it. It is... You can't even make it up. If you were to make up a story, it, so many plots and twists, you couldn't even, you couldn't make it up. So, that's all I'm going to say.
1: Okay. I think you need to watch okay. it. Okay. I'll give it a shot. And what, what other recommendations do you have?
3: I've been a big Disney Plus guy these past few weeks. I've been catching up on old childhood flicks. I'm real big on... Uh, you know, we watched Johnny Tsunami the other night. We watched uh, Brink, which you, you don't have any idea what shows those are, but some of the viewers may know uh, what they are. So we've been we've been doing the Disney Plus, watching The Jungle Book. We've just been uh, – we've been staying on that. Have you tried Ozark? I watched, uh, I think, the first episode, which was very good, but I never got to watch the rest of it. Isn't there like two seasons now?
1: Yeah, they just finished season three, so – it's definitely worth watching. We're gonna have, yeah, we still have some time to watch some shows here, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, Lane, finally, uh, any cooking tips that you have that you've – any any secret talents that have emerged during this period of isolation and quarantine?
3: I just found some good friends that like to cook a lot. So, I mean, usually every, every evening we're cooking on the grill. So it's either chicken, steak – uh, ribs, so we usually do that every evening. So we have a pretty good pit outside, and we'll we'll stay on that. So that's that's pretty much it. Other than that, training, keep an update on the on the, the team, who we're getting, and uh, I guess any signs of when we're going to be coming back. So that's pretty much it.
1: Lane, if I could ask, what is that uh, thing behind you on the wall? Can you explain what, exactly what that is? Give me a little view of that.
3: It's a cowhide. So usually – we use that as a rug and put it under the kitchen table or something like that. But we decided that it would be look pretty cool against the wall. So there you have it.
1: Uh, that does look pretty cool. Okay. That's a real cowhide, right? Real cowhide. Oh, yeah. It was like somebody gave that to you as a gift? No, is that is my buddy's, uh, my
3: buddy Clint. Um, so he had it. He brought it up. And they uh, said, you know, it's on the wall. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs>
1: Well, Leah. thank you so much for joining here. Uh, best of luck throughout the rest of this. Take care of yourself and the family, and um, we'll see you back in Novacare as soon as possible.
3: Yep, appreciate it.
1: All right, we're going to finish up our Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. With a look at the defensive line, we've looked at safety, we've looked at cornerback, we've taken a look at the linebackers. So we finish it up on the defensive side of the ball on the defensive line. Fran Duffy, Chris McPherson. Journey to the Draft and Eagle Eye and Sky podcast, gentlemen. uh, To me, it looks pretty cut and dried. The Eagles are loaded at defensive tackle, and at defensive end, they've got two proven starters in Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. And then after that, a whole lot of question marks. Agree or disagree? Fran, you go first.
4: I think I would agree with pretty much everything you said, right? I don't know. There are some guys, I think when, when it comes to the depth, when it comes to the question marks, I think uh, yeah, you look at those young guys and it's a matter of like, all right, who, who's going to take that next step? You know, I thought we saw a lot of good things this year uh, from Josh Sweat. Obviously, you have a couple of players coming off of ACL injuries with, uh, you know, with uh, Deshaun Hall, uh, obviously, and Joe Osman. But, you know, when you look at the overall the players that they've got, it's a young group, it's a hungry group, it's a group that uh, constantly plays from sideline to sideline. You've got some veterans there. Uh, that certainly kind of bring that level of urgency. You know, uh, uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, play that style, that mentality uh, that you look for for Jim Schwartz's scheme. So I think when you look at this group overall, uh, certainly a lot of top-end talent, and then you've got those young guys, uh, you know, they're looking to continue to prove themselves.
0: The big question, to follow up on what Fran's saying, is I look at the Vinny Curry situation. He's a free agent. He played close to 400 snaps last season. Who is taking those snaps? That's really the big question for the Eagles. Josh Wett played about 355 or so snaps last season. He was on the come. Is he projected for a bigger role? Too bad that Deshaun Hall suffered the ACL late in the regular season. Uh, But two guys you have to look at right now, Jannard Avery, who technically is part of this draft class because the Eagles acquired him at the trade deadline for a fourth-round selection. And then Sharif Miller, last year's mid-round selection, who was not able to get on the field, as a rookie. So it's really going to come down to who will take some of Vinnie Curry snaps and maybe some of it because of the Javon Hargrave addition, maybe Malik Jackson will be able to take some of those snaps at defensive end. But that's a lot of snaps that you have to figure out who is going to take those in 2020.
1: And Chris, you make a good point because 12 months ago we were talking about, well, who's going to take the snaps that Chris Long and Michael Bennett took and the Eagles, Got some good mileage out of Vinnie Curry, who played well late in the season last year. Josh Shwett, as you said, showed improvement. And, you know, we don't know. Vinnie Curry's still out there. The Eagles have made moves in the days leading up to the NFL draft in previous years. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But it clearly is requiring, as Brandon Graham getting older and Derek Barnett has had injuries. Guys, the Eagles really need these young players. To step up, and I guess the question is, yeah, friend, they play hard and
4: and a lot of effort, and
1: are they good enough behind its two starters, Graham and Barnett?
4: Well, uh, you know what, uh, there was a name that I didn't bring up that I'm so glad cmac Mac brought up that I think could be a little bit of an X factor here, and that's Janard Avery, because obviously, uh, you know, the, the the scouting department and the coaching staff both bought in uh, to this guy when they made that move for him at the trade deadline last fall and I think when you look at him he's a guy that you, know, you have to use him in a certain kind of way and now having that full off season to be able to work uh, you know and not necessarily to be able to work hand in hand with the coaches but more so for the coaches to kind of look and say like all right let's figure out good ways to be able to use this guy's skill set now how do we fit him into the scheme I think you know, some of those same things that we saw from Joe Osman last summer uh last spring I think you can kind of plug some of those things in and maybe a little bit more with Janard Avery because of those athletic gifts. So I think when you look at Avery, he's a guy, yeah, I know we didn't see a ton from him. He had a, a sack on his very first snap last year. But remember, this was a mid-round choice of the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, tested really well from an athleticism standpoint coming out of Memphis. I think he's got a lot of ability. Now it's about trying to fit him into the scheme and find ways to be able to use him and leverage his skill set.
0: And let me add to that with the fact that you've added hard rates. You have Malik Jackson almost as an addition because he's set to come back after missing basically the entire season with a foot injury. If you get more disruption from the middle of the line, does that help the guys coming off the edge? Because outside of Fletcher Cox, you really didn't have that pass rush punch coming up the middle last year. So if you get more disruption coming right in the quarterback space, will that make life easier for the guys coming off the edge?
1: Well, I think that is the theory that you collapse the pocket from the inside out. And yeah, if you're double, you know, if you're double teaming Fletcher and you've got Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson winning one-on-one battles, it certainly does open things up on the outside. Friend, you talked about having a full off season to work with Jannard Avery. We are all keeping our fingers crossed that there'll be some kind of off season to get him in some of these OTA like practices where the Eagles can give him some schematics and say, hey, go out and run through this, walk through this, whatever you got to do, just get used to it because this is how we're going to use you in 2020. Now, the defensive tackle position, the Eagles used eight of them last year, eight defensive tackles. Wow. insane number. Um, are they set, guys, as we look at this rotation with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, with Malik Jackson, with Hassan Ridgway, with Rush, who's a pretty good player and would be a nice fifth tackle, Bruce Hector. Is there any need to address defensive tackle, Fran?
4: I don't know if there's a need, but I would not rule it out either. You know, because I think when you look, you know, Fletcher Cox is obviously getting a little bit older. Malik Jackson, uh, you know, there's only a couple of years left on that contract. And, you know, Javon Hargrave is a good player. But you obviously want to be able to continue to rotate those guys in. That being said, when you look at this group from top to bottom, I don't know if there are a lot of teams in the NFL that can match up to this depth chart of interior defensive linemen, right? I mean, when you look at those top three guys with Hassan Ridgway as your fourth, you know, and Anthony Rush or a Bruce Hector as your fifth,
2: that's a that's a
4: damn good group, guys. I, I, when you look at it in terms of playing a game tomorrow, that's a really strong group. That being said, I would not rule out, especially if you're going best player available mantra in the NFL draft of saying, you know what? There's a guy here that's just too good for us to pass up on. He's a guy that we feel can be a quality player three years from now, four years from now. Because remember, the draft is not just about this fall. This is about 2020. It's about 2021, 2022, 2023. If there's a guy that's too good to pass up on, you pull the trigger there and you take him.
0: I think Fran made a lot of great points there about looking ahead to the future, so I don't rule it out either. But the big thing, Spud, and you mentioned it right at the top there, they used eight last year. So you got to make sure – that you have the depth covered in case any of those guys that you mentioned. It's a great one through five, one through six, but an injury or two quickly will test your depth. So you got to make sure that you're fortified there. So would not surprise me at all to bring in some youth there. Just to challenge the bottom of the depth now, and hopefully down the down the line, uh, push for a starting position.
1: And look, let's be honest here. Howie Roseman has demonstrated through the years that you build at the line of scrimmage out. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. If there's a great defensive end that the Eagles love at 21, and I know Eagles fans don't want to hear that, I personally, me, would not be shocked if the Eagles go in that direction. To get somebody off the edge, what an impact player would mean to this group, to this defense. I mean, that's the way Howie Roseman was born and raised in the NFL. You build the line of scrimmage. Would it shock you guys if the Eagles went defensive end High, or even at the very top of this draft.
4: Absolutely not. I mean, for the reasons that we talked about, right? We talked about it's Brandon Graham, it's Derek Barnett, and then after that, you've got young guys that you're hoping that can make that next step, that can be, you know make that next uh, leap in their development. But uh, after, that you'd like to be able to see uh, one of those guys make it. But if not. You're bringing in competition in terms of a, a high draft pick to come in and, and take that role, and now maybe that makes those other young guys also step their game up as well. I would not rule that out. I, guys, you know, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for years on the during the draft podcast, uh, driven by AAA, I'm a big fan of going best player available. I don't believe in saying okay, we're going to reach for a guy just because it's a position of need. I think when you look at the, the best player on board is the defensive end, you can't trade out, you can't make a move go with that defensive end, and the guy comes in, and you know it's very much like Derek Barnett as a rookie. You know at the very least he can come in and be a really solid role player coming off the bench on your second group of defensive lineman. With how much they rotate, that guy's still going to make an impact.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing is, again, you're trying to challenge the rotation there. But look at what the 49ers did this past offseason. You're bringing in Nick Bosa, number two overall selection. You fortify that outstanding defensive line, and you just wreak havoc. I, I, you know, they were basically one third-down play away from winning the Super Bowl, and that was largely won with the front four with that pass rush. So the Eagles have a lot of the other pieces in place. They completely revamped, you know, the back end of the defense this offseason, bringing the likes of Derry Slay and Will Parks and Nickel Robbie Coleman and, and and the like. And I know you've rehashed those moves over and over again, but it wouldn't surprise me to say if the Eagles want to put another top-tier Count along the line just to add more boost to that pass rush.
1: Gentlemen, once again, thank you very much. We'll talk about the offense next. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it. That will do it for the Seagulls Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Buffy Gorilla, and Ray Doyle for putting everything together. Thanks to all of you for joining. Make sure you stay safe and healthy and continue to practice social distancing we are all in this together. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks so much for joining everyone. If you have a moment to drop us a little rating, five-star rating, that would be absolutely appreciated. Thanks so much, everybody. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. And fly, Eagles, Fly.